not going to preach very long with the help of the Lord. If you'll catch what God wants to say, then I will let the Word of God speak and the direction of God speak and we'll give Him time to move. And then we'll go downstairs and be recipients of the honor that you've bestowed on this pastoral staff. Appreciate it. If you turn to the book of 1 Kings chapter 1, look at verse 49. I'm gonna, we're, we're just jumping in the middle of the story. I'll do my best to get you caught up in a moment. Then all the ga- guests of Adjani trembled and rose in each one his own way. And Adjani feared Solomon, and he arose and went and took hold of the horns of the altar. Then it was told Solomon, behold, Adjani fears King Solomon. For he has taken hold of the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear to me first that he will not put his servant to death with the sword. Solomon said, If he will show himself a worthy man, then not one of his hairs shall fall to the earth. But if wickedness is found in him, he shall die. And King Solomon sent, and they brought him down from the altar. He came and paid homage to King Solomon, and Solomon said unto him, Go to your house. Would you turn over one chapter? And would you uh, turn with me? In the book of, uh, or in the second chapter, verse twenty-eight, and again we're jumping in the story at the middle. I'll, I'll I'll catch you up to speed. When the news came to Joab, for Joab supported Adoniah through, though he had not supported Absalom, Joab fled to the tent of the Lord and caught hold of the horns of the altar. And when it was told King Solomon, Joab has fled to the tent of the Lord, and behold, he's beside the altar. Solomon sent Benai, the son of Jehoadai, saying, "Go strike him down." So Benaiah came to the tent of the Lord and said unto him, The king commands, come out. But Joab said, No, I will die here. Then Benhai brought the king's word again, saying, Thus said Joab. Joab, thus he answered. And the king replied unto him and said, Do as he said, strike him down there and bury him, and thus take away from me and from my father's house the guilt for the blood that Joab has shed without cause. And I want to just stop there. Both of those uh, stories, if you will, had the horns of the altar. And I want to preach to you a moment about the horns of the altar. And uh, with the help of the Lord, I, I want to kind of just continue this feel and, and this presence of God that started this morning and, and continues tonight. I believe God wants to give you a word that says He has it under control if you'll let Him. If you'll let Him. Would you bow your heads and would you ask the Lord to help us understand His Word? God, I'm asking right now, as we look at the story that is in this first Kings, I pray, God, that you would let it be alive to all of us, we pray. God, would you help us? Would you guide us? And would you let your Word speak to us in the name of Jesus? Amen and amen. Hallelujah. If you'll be seated, let me catch you up to speed so that I can go through the narrative of the sermon and then leave you with what God wants to do here today. It was that Solomon had been anointed by the prophet to be king after David. But as was such the case, the normal secession of a king would follow. The oldest would succeed the throne. 
However many times in God's word, God doesn't follow just because your uh, genealogy says you're first. And so all the way from, from uh, Ishmael and Isaac, all the way to uh, Jacob and Esau, and continuing on, God says, I don't determine what I'm going to do just because of your birth order. I'm going to determine what I do because of how you follow me. And so God had anointed Solomon to be king. However, the elder brother and I'm not pronouncing that right and I'll say it about eight different times so just hang with me he was the oldest he was preferred by Joab the captain of the host he was the one that should have been stronger, greater, powerful he had tried and, and to uh, usurp the throne he called a great uh, party and they all began to celebrate he, he kind of had it set up where it would have looked to all of those in the kingdom that he had been anointed. But when the time came, the prophet came to David, the prophet came to Bathsheba and said, I have anointed Solomon to be king. Whenever it came to pass that that was it, uh, the older son got wind of it. And he began to, to realize, hey, all of the plans that I have mean nothing because God has orchestrated something differently. He ran to the, the tent. This is before Solomon built the, the temple. And so they're still existing in that tent that Moses had created. And there he grabbed hold of the horn of the altar. And he, he held on and, and, and uh, Solomon came and, and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm not going to let go of this altar until I know you're not going to kill me. Uh, Adonijah, uh, him, he got concerned about his stake in life. He realized that he had tried to usurp the throne. But he said, I'm going to hold on to the horns of the altar until I'm assured that my life will be spared. And so it went that Solomon looked at him. He said, I will promise you that as long as you behave yourself, everything will be okay. I promise you not one hair on your head will be uh, hurt if you don't dwell wickedly. Now, I, the part I didn't read, and I've got to just, just so I give you the full story. I don't have time to get in. It's a whole nother uh, lesson all on its own. But a little bit later, after Solomon had been uh, crowned king, his brother came to Solomon's mother Bathsheba and said, please, I, I know I, I, I'm not king. I can't be king. I realize all that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to honor Solomon. But would you give me, and he named a lady, he said, would you give her to me as a wife? Let that be my consolation prize. The problem is that happened to be part of the, the, the concubine and the harem that was there of King David and the, the, the law at that time said that if you possessed part of the harem of a king, it meant you had usurped that king. And so because uh, this older brother, he had a very sneaky way, and he was going to try to get a backdoor approach, because of that, Solomon found out about it, and Solomon had Benai kill Adonijah. And it was, just to keep the story going, that was the fourth son of David that had died. If you go all the way back to when, when David committed the sin with Bathsheba, you will find that part of the, the commandment of God, part of the, the, the consequence of David's sin, he said, David, I will, I will visit upon you fourfold. And this was the fourth son of David that had to die 
because when God says something, he always keeps his word. Now, that's just history. Here is Joab. You begin to read there in the 28th verse of Kings, 1 Kings chapter 2. You find that Joab begins to realize something is happening. I, I, we, we've already seen uh, Adonijah Jani, he, he grabbed hold of the altar. Solomon spared his life, but then he kind of tried a backdoor approach. He, he tried to, to steal again, usurp the throne, and, and, and Solomon had him killed. And so Joab did the only thing he knew to do. Joab ran as fast as he could because he realized Solomon was ready to just stop all of this uh, uh, coup that was happening. And he ran to the altar and he grabbed a hold of the horn of the altar. In the midst of grabbing the horn of the altar, you find this interesting thing. First off, it's the same thing that the brother did. But this time Solomon finds uh, uh, or, or tells Benai. But uh, Benai was was yes, he was the captain of the guards, but he was also part of the priestly family. He was allowed entrance into that tabernacle. Benai goes and finds Joab cowering around the altar, and he's holding on to that altar, and he's he says the same thing that Solomon's brother said. I'm going to hold on to this altar until I know my life is spared. And Ai goes back to Solomon and says, this is what happens. He said that he, he, he's not going to let go. He's not going to come out. He says he'll even die there. Solomon says, you know what, I ain't playing this game. If he wants to die there, I'm going to let him die there. And it's one of the only times that I can find in the Bible that there was the blood of a person shed inside the tabernacle or the temple. And so Benai, a, a, a captain of the guard, part of the priestly family, goes in there. The guy is holding on to the horns of the altar, and he dies holding on to the horns, horns of the altar. Now, if you're like me, and, and see, I, I get the privilege of preaching, watching your faces. And some of you, your eyebrow kind of raises as if, what's going on? Why one? Why not the other? I'm convinced after studying. And, and maybe I can't. Maybe I can't show it to you perfectly, but I think it will play out as we go a little further. There is a danger of thinking you can come to the horns of the altar if you've never stepped foot in the church before. Nowhere in all of Joab's life do I find a man that had any religious inkling. Never once do I see him worshiping. Never once do I see him giving a sacrifice. Never once do I see anything that remotely be religious or churchy or, or honoring God. None of that is there. But yet as it happens so often in life is when a person who's never given God one ounce of their time, when a trial comes, suddenly... Where's the horn of the altar? How many of you have heard of Charles Spurgeon? Charles Spurgeon, an incredible preacher. Uh, uh, 
we, we only know him. There was no recordings of him. There's, there's hardly any pictures of him. But it's amazing because somehow somebody painstakingly took almost every sermon he ever preached and wrote it word for word and you can find them. It is incredible. The man could preach. And, and I begin to look as I'm prone to do when I find things in the word of God that maybe I don't completely understand. I begin to pray, God, give me insight. I begin to read it. I begin to try to find the verses that support it or, 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 or show me where to go and then I'm going to look at commentaries, I'm going to read the works of other theologians and in my study I came across one of Spurgeon's sermons on this, it's very interesting, I can't, I, I'm not going to do it as he did it, but he began to say that outward ordinances avail not, now I'll just let you go find the sermon, you can find it if you want me, I'll show it to you. But here's what I'm trying to get at. How many people, and I'm not trying to belittle any of your relatives or any of your friends, but if a person has never given God the time of day, if they've never repented of their sins, if they've never come into the presence when they were healthy and when everything was going good and offer up those sacrifices of praise, I don't care how many sacraments you do on their deathbed, they can hold on to the horn of the altar all they want, but outward uh, 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 uh and, and superstitions and things that they can try to look like they're okay is not going to work if you've never had a relationship with the one in whom that altar is for. I don't care how many communions you've come to. I don't care how many prayer meetings you've gone to. I don't care how many church services you've been. I don't care if you've ever never missed a church service in your life. None of those horns of the altar matter if you've never given him a relationship. That was the problem with Joab. Joab had no relationship with God and so thus when everything was falling apart he thought he could waltz into the temple he thought he could waltz into the tabernacle and God would just be his best friend and buddy but I'm just telling you that's not how it works because it doesn't work in your own life you ever had somebody that's never given you the time of day but all of a sudden when they need something they butter you up the closest I ever get to this, Brother Bob, is calling Don Cozart right before deer season and starting to talk to Don so maybe he'll let me go hunt on his property. That's the closest I get. But have you ever had somebody do that? They've not talked to you. They've not done anything with you. They don't, they don't need you. They don't do anything until they need something. And all of a sudden, your phone starts ringing. You don't like that, and God doesn't like that. That's the negative part. I just want to make sure we understand it because the story that we find is a negative story. And so it, it behooves me to preach it in the right context first before I take a step further and tell you what God wants to tell you today. And that is very simply this. Just because you can grab the horns of the altar is not going to guarantee your salvation if you've never had a relationship. But as you have heard me preach so many times, 
With every negative, there must also be a positive. And for every positive, there must also be a negative. And this is what I've come to tell somebody. I I can't explain what I feel in my heart. I I I tried this morning, and I believe God was in it, to tell you that God is trying to get a word to you today. But this is what I want to tell you. If you have given your life to God, if you have said, Lord, I've done everything I know to do, but all of the sudden chaos begins to reign in your family, If all of the sudden places and storms and rain begins to fall, can I tell you today, there is safety in holding on to the horns of the altar. Let let me tell you what, 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 and again, I'm going to use it negative. Here it is that Joab, he didn't do it right. We're, We're using a negative example to try to be positive. Joab didn't do it right. Joab said, I'm going to hold on to the horns of the altar. Nothing's going to move me. You can even kill me, and I'm still not going to let go. And we saw that he died. But I want to tell you there's another side to that. It's what that altar represents. It's what that tabernacle represented. That tabernacle represented the presence of of God. That tabernacle was designed all the way back in that Exodus wilderness adventure where God said to Moses, I want to commune with my people. I want to be able to walk with them one more time. I want them when they have a need that they can come to the tabernacle. Yes, there's some sacrifices that may be required. Yes, there's some worship, but I desire a relationship with my people. Can I tell you today that is still the desire of God, that God wants nothing more but a people to reach out to him when everything's going good to love him when everything is flying high to say God you have blessed me and blessed me abundantly but if you will do that there is a horn of the altar that you can avail yourself when everything begins to fall apart it's not the altar it's not the horn but it's what that represents The altar represented the sacrifice. The altar represented the place where where, where the, the sacrificial lamb had been slaughtered. It represented the place where sin's uh, uh, consequence was 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 covered. Oh, you'll you'll see it. I, I I'm, if I'm not careful, Brother Perryman, I'll start preaching everything you're going to teach about on Wednesday. But can I tell you that there is an altar not of bronze. There is not an altar anymore that has physical horns, but there is an altar in which our Savior said, I will be a sinless sacrifice and I will avail myself on that altar and I will die for all of mankind. What did he say in the book of Isaiah? He said he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed upon that altar of Calvary. It was more than just a saving grace. Upon that altar of Calvary, it opened up every blessing that Jehovah would ever have. It was that Calvary experience. It was that breaking of the will of the testament. It was the dying off of the spotless lamb that lets you and I have access into the throne. So Although the Bible teaches it in a negative, the positive is obviously those horns of the altar were there for a purpose. Two men grabbed hold of them. There must have been a reason why they did. The reason is is because those horns of that altar represented mercy. 
you could look through the, the Old Testament, especially in, in, in Leviticus and, and, and some in Exodus, and you will find that when they would sacrifice that, that bullock or that lamb on the altar, there was stuff they did. One of the things they did with that blood is they would touch the horns of the altar. Which is why I believe it's in the book of Isaiah. It's why God said, I am tired of your adulterous ways, Israel. You have, you have played the whore. You have gone just, just every which way. You've even turned the, the temple of God into a cesspool of idolatry. And so he made a promise. He said, when it's time, I'm going to destroy the temple and I'm going to bust off the horns of that altar. He said, I don't want anybody to try to find any mercy where you've worshipped every idolatrous thing you can worship. But that wasn't the end of mercy. Then God says, I'm going to come down to earth. I'm going to become like you and I. I'm going to walk in the same place you've walked. I'm going to be tempted like you have been tempted. And I'm going to willingly go up to a, to a hill called Golgotha. And there I'm going to lay my life down on an altar. Why? Because I want somebody to understand that when the wind blows, there is something you can grab hold to all day to day. I've had an old song going through my mind. I'm not going to sing it. But how many of you remember an old song called I'm Sheltered, Safe Within the Arms of God? Over and over and over. In fact, last night I couldn't hardly sleep. I think it had more to do with what I ate before I went to sleep than perhaps the spiritual nature, but whatever. But have you ever tried to go to sleep and you got a song stuck in your head that won't stop? Half the time it's something stupid. But last night it was, cause I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. So let the storm clouds rise, the dark clouds rise, they won't hinder me. I'm telling somebody right now that you can grab hold today of a horn of the altar. Hey listen, there might be a banana outside. There might be a cancer diagnosis, Brother Brian, outside. There may be some storms in your family outside saying, let go, come out. It's time to come out, but you can say, I'll Stay here even if I die. I'm safe here. Somebody needs to realize right now that God is trying to tell you that in the darkest, craziest moment, and, and, and I want to just, it's very easy for you to say, oh, pastor's preaching to Brother Brian. It's very easy for you to say that, and probably so. But don't you dare think that this is only for him. I'm teaching, I'm talking to somebody else right here. There is a horn of the altar that if you have a relationship with God, you have a right to grab hold of. And no matter what tries to get you, no matter what stands at the door of the temple and calls to you, just let go, just give up, just come on out. It doesn't matter anymore. It's not going to work anymore. I'm telling you, would you please just grab hold of that and say, I'm not letting go because I know as long as I hold on to his unchanging hand, there is a salvation there is a healing there is a deliverance I won't let go I'm safe I'm safe in the horns of the altar I want our musicians to come I, don't, I told you I don't have something very long but all today I've heard him speak just Trust me. If you're here today and you've never had a relationship with him, 
I don't know how much what I'm talking is going gonna, is gonna to help you until you avail yourself of that salvation. Until you repent of your sins. Until you are baptized in the precious name of Jesus for the removal of your sins. And until you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That evidence of speaking with other tongues that gives you life and that more abundantly. saint of God the Lord has seen your sacrifice the Lord has seen your relationship the Lord has watched every time in the good things you've lifted up holy hands and you've said blessed be the name of the Lord and the Lord has seen your faithfulness The Lord has seen your goodness. And tonight, He says, I'm going to extend my hand. I want you to hold it. Because I've watched you worship in the bad. Now, I mean, I've watched you worship in the good. Now let me hold you in the bad. Don't let go of the horns of the altar. Don't give up now. Don't let anything get you outside of that. Don't let anyone call to you from outside his presence saying, let go. Give up. It's not going to matter. See, God really doesn't care. God would never have allowed you to be in this spot if, 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 if he loved you. I know it starts with a negative example. I think there could be a way that you could hold on to the altar say I'm not coming out I might die right here but I'm not coming out because I'd rather be in his presence than to be outside of his presence I don't know what God has in store but I'm not letting go I love southern gospel music it's my favorite genre they have a tendency to kind of, a lot of their sermon or their song titles play on words. But I was listening this morning as I was ironing the clothes. Forget who sung it. But it, the, the, the line, and it talks about the woman with the issue of blood that touched the hem of his garment. And I know it's a little cheesy, Sister uh, Stacy, but it kind of spoke to me. It said, when you're hanging on by a thread, just touch the hem of his garment. Can you imagine how threadbare that garment must have been from the walking that Jesus did around us? But she got a hold of it. Maybe it's a cheesy old song, but I think it matters today. When you're hanging on by a thread, just grab hold of him. And everything's going to be okay. I want us to stand right now. I want you to begin to lift your hands. I'm going to open this altar. I I think it would behoove all of us just to take a step out of where you are and walk down to the front. And in just your own simple way, you could grab hold of this altar and you could let the presence of God begin to speak to you. Would you come? Would you come? Hallelujah.